Matthew chapter 7, two verses, 13 and 14. This is in red letters, which means Jesus spoke it. He's the one saying it. And this is what he says. Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow or, or, or the, the, the way is constricted, right? It's constricted that leads to life. And there are few, there are few who find it. Father, I pray right now that our hearts will be open to your word. Open our ears and our hearts, God. I pray we would get it written on the tablets of our hearts so that what comes out of us displays what's in us. I pray that today. Lord, I pray you would help us to follow you so that we can find the narrow way, the restricted path. Help us to do that today. Reveal it to our hearts and our minds. Holy Spirit, I pray that I would decrease so that you would increase so that I would be able to speak the words you've given me with boldness. Hallelujah. With confidence, I pray that. Help me to do that. Holy Spirit, anoint me. Anoint your people. Touch them, I pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Before you're seated, hug three people. I want you to tell them, you be one of the few. You be one of the few. Tell them, say, you be one of the few. So look, I was, I've been thinking a lot lately. Like the Lord has me thinking a lot lately. And I know that's scary, but just bear with me. Um, he has me thinking a lot about the time that we're living in. Um, and if you haven't noticed, this is what we've been talking about for several weeks now on end. Um, not a lot about the culture that we live in um, because the world is in the world and they're of the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And so what, I, what I'm saying is this. So for us to expect them to act any differently than the world acts, like for us to expect them to not do the things they do and say the things they say is, is, is actually just not smart of us. For us to think that the world is going to act godly is just simply silly and quite frankly, stupid. It's stupid for us to think that. And I try to remember that and remind myself of that and remind myself that these people aren't saved. They're, they're, they're not going after Jesus. They haven't decided to give their hearts to him. And so when they say stupid things and they do stupid things, it's like, oh yeah, 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 that makes sense. They, they don't know the Lord. And so then we begin to pray for them and we begin to lift them up and we say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they, they do. So, so when I say that the Lord is speaking to me about the time we're living in, more specifically speaking to me about the state of the church that we're in right now, like what's happening in the church. He has me thinking and contemplating a lot about those of us who call ourselves Christians, those that profess that we are Christ followers. And so as I was thinking about this a lot lately, the other day, I started to think about this old game that I used to play when I was a kid. It was called follow the leader. How many of you know the game follow the leader? Uh, these other young kids are like, what? I play games, video games, not that game. That's old person game. But yeah, follow the leader, right? Follow the leader. And and listen, this is a very simple game with extremely simple rules. There's, there is a leader, and then there are followers. And whatever the leader does, right, the followers are supposed 
to do what the leader is doing. So if the leader pats their head, right? Everybody pats, pats their head. Thank you, Lauren. But <laughs> if the leader starts jumping, which I will not do, while patting their head, then everybody starts jumping while patting their head. If they start running while jumping and patting their head, I would pull something if I tried that. Everyone does what the leader is doing. You get my drift. This is called follow the leader. And you do that until that there's one man standing or one woman standing, right? Until one is left. And the person that was able to do everything that the leader did, that person will be the next one to lead the group. They'll be the next leader in the group. And it's that simple. You just do whatever the leader tells you to do. You don't have to interpret it. You don't have to think about it. You, you just got to do it. You ain't got to try to figure it out even. It's just, oh, they're doing that. I do that. that that's all there is to it. Another game I was thinking about was also Simon Says, right? We remember Simon Says. Same type of thing in that game, right? Except the leader's name is always Simon. And, and they'll always say, Simon Says, do whatever. If the leader doesn't say, Simon Says, do it, then you don't do it because Simon Says is the key word. Simon is the leader. And so if they say, Simon Says, jump on one leg, you jump on one leg right? Everyone starts doing that. If, if the leader says, Simon says, clap your hands. Everybody starts clapping their hands. But sometimes in this game, what's different than follow the leader in this game, sometimes they'll try to throw you off and they'll just say, stop clapping your hands, right? And if you stop clapping your hands, they didn't say Simon says. And so now you're out, you lost. You're out of the game. You're a loser. <laughs> but it's a very simple game with very simple rules. Simon says, do it. You just do it. Simon says, don't do it. You don't, you don't do it. That's how, that's how you win. And so I was thinking about how those games follow the leader. And Simon says, is a lot like being a Christ follower. It really is. Being a Christian, being a Christ follower, is we do what Jesus says to do. It's literally that simple. I'm not saying it's easy. Hear me. I didn't say it was easy, but it's that simple. Jesus is the leader. He's the leader. And if he says do it, we just do it. If he says don't do it, we, we don't do it. it. It's that clear. It's that clear to us. You, you know, when David Laughlin was here bringing the word of God, he used this term complexity bias. And what that just simply means is, is that we have a tendency as human beings of making things complicated when things are actually simple. We, we want to overcomplicate simple things. And isn't that so true? We want to interpret it or reinterpret it or reimagine it, right? The new hot term for the day, reimagine. But see, as a Christ follower, for us being Christians, it simply means we do what, what Jesus tells us to do. It means we do what he did in the scriptures. It means we talk the way he talks and the way he talked in the scriptures. Being a Christian means we are to be bold like he was bold in the scriptures. To, to be a Christ follower means we are to stand for righteousness the way Christ stood for righteousness, so much so that he laid down his life for righteousness sake. Being a Christian means that we follow the leader, period. That's all it is. And, here's, and here is the truth, and whether we like to hear this or not, there's winners and losers in life. There, there really is. 
This is why I have a hard time with the, with the participation trophy stuff. Like I'm like, it's just setting my kid up for failure because there's winners and losers in life and you got to figure that out. You, you got to figure it out. And one of the ways that we win, right, in life is we win a reward. If we win, we will win the reward. And the reward that we, set, that we will receive is heaven. That's the reward. Did you know that's not the goal? Heaven is the reward that we receive for winning, for following Jesus Christ. And the one who follows him well, by the way, the one who follows him well, the one who does what he says to do, the one who lives the way he says to live, those will be the ones who will receive the reward. That's who it'll be. See, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, he, talking about Jesus, he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him, who diligently follow him. We, we actually don't need to complicate this thing. We, we really don't. James chapter 1, 22 says this. It says, prove, someone shout prove. Prove yourselves to be doers of the word and not hearers only so that you do not deceive yourself. Be doers. Prove to be doers. See, right now in, in the church, we, we think that we have a say in the way that we live for him. We've bought into this thought that we've got a right to tell him how we will follow him, how we will receive the reward, which is just simply not true. It's Jesus's terms, period. That's it. See, a lot of people want salvation, but they want salvation on their terms. They want it on their terms, but that's just not how it works. It's not how it works. He shows us and tells us how we're to live for him and how we are to follow him. Do you know how many times I've heard people say to me, well, God knows my heart. Well, God, God knows my heart. Now, now, remind you, typically when people are saying this, it's because they're covering up the way they're living. Like, like well, well, don't confront me because God knows, they know God knows my heart. Now, maybe they're having sex outside of marriage or, 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 or maybe they're lying or maybe they're gossiping. These are all things according to God's word is a sin against God. That's what the word of God says. That's not me, it's God's word. And so if you'll confront somebody with that, one of the cliches in church is, well, God knows, he knows my, my heart. As if that covers up how they're living their life for God. Or, or perhaps maybe they're smoking weed because now all of a sudden the government said it's okay to smoke weed and the doctors say it's okay to smoke weed. So now in the church, we just think it's okay to smoke weed. Even though the Bible says to be sober-minded and vigilant because the enemy, your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The Bible says, I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a what? A sound mind. But see, that doesn't really matter because the government said I could smoke weed. So now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smoke weed. This, this is on my terms because God knows what's in my heart. This is the catchphrase. In the churches today. Like what? Like what are you talking about? See the church needs to follow the leader. That's who they need to follow. 
We've got to stop acting like what's in our hearts is different than what's coming out of us, how we live, because it's not. We have to stop acting like what's, what's in our hearts is, is different than the one that we, we serve. We, we, gotta, we gotta stop it. Could you imagine if you're playing the game, follow the leader, and the leader begins patting their head, but you don't pat your head, and, and they say, oh, well, you're out, and you say, well, I'm patting my head in my heart. Like, <laughs> like what? <laughs> right? Like, listen, my six-year-old would definitely say that. Abishai would be like, what's your problem, dad? So I'm doing it in my heart, man. You know what I mean? Like, he really would. But for a grown person, this explanation doesn't work. It doesn't fly. Or imagine if you were coming into work every single day late, every day. Finally, your boss gets sick of it. And he or she confronts you about it. And your answer is, I'm on time in my heart. I mean, in my heart, I'm on time. He would be like, what? He'd be like, get out. Right? You wouldn't have that job very long. Right? <laughs> because he would be like, what are you talking about? But for some reason... In the church, this has become an acceptable, reasonable explanation for how we're living. Well, well, God knows. God knows my heart. And that's very true. But see, we say it because men can't see our hearts. That's what the Bible says. Men cannot, cannot perceive what's in the hearts of man. Well, but God can. Praise the Lord. But God can. Luke chapter 6, verse 45, this is what Jesus says. He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, simply saying this, what is in your heart will come out of you as you're living. Whatever's in there will come out as you're walking through this thing called life. And Jesus says in John chapter 14, he's very clear, he says, anyone who loves me, anyone who follows me, anyone who comes after me is the one who obeys me. That's the one who's, who's following me. But the enemy wants us to think that, that what's in our hearts can be different than the way we're, we're living. He, he wants us to think that what's in our hearts can actually be different than the way we are obeying God's word. But it's just not true. He wants us to think that we don't actually have to follow the leader. Like, we don't actually have to do that. It sounds good, but because God knows our hearts, I don't actually have to do what the Bible says. Because it's in my heart. And he wants us to think that by living that way, we can still be Christ followers. Because it's in our hearts. But... But that's just not true. See, we, we are called to follow the leader. Tell your neighbor, follow the leader. Tell him. Matthew chapter 7, this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, follow the leader. You, you, you better follow me. And we'll just read it again. Verse 13, he says this, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many, someone say many. many. There are many who will enter through it. For the gate is narrow and the way is constricted. It's hard that leads to life. And there are few, someone shout few. few. There are few who find it. 
Man, I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but that last sentence to me is super scary. Super scary. That there are few, there's only a few that will find it earlier, right, in the chapter. Actually, I'm sorry, later in the chapter, he says on that day, there'll be many, many that will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I cast out demons in your name? Didn't I come to church every Sunday? And didn't I tell everyone it was in my heart? Didn't I do that? And I'll say to them, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Be cast out into outer darkness. That's what he says. This is super scary, man. This sentence should actually cause us to start really reflecting deeply on what's in us. Really start reflecting on what's in our hearts, truly in our hearts. This sentence should cause us to to make sure that we are searching to find the narrow way, to walk through the narrow gate. And the only way to make sure that we find the way so that we are one of the few, come on, tell your neighbor, you be the few. Tell them, you be the few. The only way to make sure of that is by following the leader. That's it. It's the only way is by following the leader. Doing what the word of God tells us to do. That's the way that we find the narrow way. I want to back up just for a second into verse 13. I'm going to read it again because we're going to go through this for a little bit here today. But he says, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. See, what Jesus is revealing very simply there is this. When a lot of people are headed in a certain direction, hear me, when all the media is pushing you in a direction, when most government officials are pushing you in a direction, it's not the right direction. That's what it's saying. I mean, we've got to be able to see this on the earth and what it's for today as I'm walking through this thing called life. The Bible is meant for you to live every day of your life, how to sift through the nonsense and the crap that the enemy is throwing at you. And this is what he's saying. When everybody's headed that way, you better be headed that way because that way leads to destruction. That way leads to life. This is what he's saying. But look, sometimes this is really tough on us as human beings, right? It's actually really tough because we we like to be liked. We really do. There's something in us, deep within us, that wants to be accepted, that, that wants to be liked. We want to be a part of the in crowd. We want to be a part of the, the people who know, right? And so we'll just go with the flow, man, because we like it. But Jesus warns us right here against it. He says, don't, don't go where everyone else is going. And he says, there's only, there's only two ways to go. That's it. There's only two. There's only two lanes in life. And these are not like a dual lane headed in the same direction. These are one lane roads headed in completely opposite directions. Except the one lane is super big and it's super wide and it's easy to go down there. It's easy to find that lane. And the other one's super narrow. It's super hard. It's restricted. It's constricted. But you know what I find with a lot of Christians, a lot of us, we think that there's a different lane. We think there's another way 
that we can go. We, we, we think there's a third lane. Like, like there's got to be an HOV lane, right? Like a carpool lane that we can all hop in together and be buddies and ride down this middle lane. And, and I don't make any, any waves as I'm riding down it. And still choose the HOV lane and still get to, to my destination. Still receive my reward. I can pick this, this middle lane. I can travel right down, right down the middle, making nobody feel uncomfortable making no waves with anybody, not confronting any wrongs or sins in society. I can just keep quiet and keep moving right down the middle. But Jesus says, oh, no, 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 no. There's two lanes. There's two. There's not three. There's no HOV. There's no middle. There's, there's, There's one that leads to life and one that leads to death. That's it. And the one that leads to death, it's, it's huge. It's, it's huge, man. It's real big. And a lot of people are going to go down that lane. But the other one, the one that leads to life, it's, it's super narrow. It's tiny. It's hard to find it because it leads to life. And only a few, only a few. It reminds me what Jesus says in the Gospels. He says this. He says, you know, when I return to the earth, will I find any faith? Because only a few will find it. This is what he's reiterating that. Only a few will find it. You know, I've heard people tell me several times once I gave my life to Jesus, I've heard them several times tell me, you're just too radical, Keith. You're you're way too radical. You think you know how everyone should live and you keep telling everyone how they should live. But there's more than just the way that you think we are to live. You're You're just too radical. You don't have to be so radical to follow Jesus. You don't have to be. There's another lane that we can go in to still get to heaven and receive My reward, to which I reply, is actually you're wrong. There isn't another one. There's only one way to heaven. There's one lane that you've got to get in. You have to get in it. There's only one lifestyle that you can live. There's not multiple lifestyles. Church, quit buying into the lie that there's multiple ways to live and still be okay with God. Because there's not. There's one lifestyle. Just one. And I remind people when they say that to me, I'm like, it's not me saying it. It's not me. It's the word of God. I'm just the messenger. And all I'm doing, I'm not telling you how to live. God tells you that. I'm just trying to live the way he's telling us all to live. That's it. And do I do it perfectly? Absolutely not. But I go after him every day. But but I realize something as I'm literally told that multiple times through my life. I I realize something is it's because most of us, we like that middle lane. We like what we would call the gray area of life. This is what we like. This middle ground. Because we don't really want to be known as the radical. We don't want to be known as the troublemaker. This is how we've perceived things. We really don't want to be different. We don't. We'd rather be known as the peacemaker. We'd rather be known as the one who's tolerant that sees all sides of the argument. Can I just tell you a side note really quickly here, and I won't go on too long of a tangent, but tolerance is such garbage in the day we live in. It is such a garbage talking point, it makes me actually sick. I kind of threw up in my mouth and swallowed it again. But, like, it's awful. Because, listen to me, the world wants you to tolerate the way they live. They want you to tolerate their point of views. And they want Christians to be okay with the sin that they're living in. And they don't even want us talking about sin. And the moment we do, 
The moment we do, they lose their mind. Start screaming at you hate speech and you're trying to destroy people and you're trying to do all this crazy nonsense. The moment we start talking about sin and breaking it down from a biblical perspective, when we say homosexuality is a sinful lifestyle, you need to repent and turn from it and we'll walk with you through it. We will fight for you through it. That that having sex outside of marriage is a sinful lifestyle. You have to quit and turn. The Bible says it. And if you don't turn from it, you'll be headed to the path of destruction. You will literally go to hell. That's what the Bible teaches. See, tolerance goes out the window then, church. It's gone. Now it's gone. Now we're unloving and we're not nice and we're... It's a bunch of nonsense. And I've always said this. Listen... We will love the sinner, but we'll love them enough to call them on their sin. We really will. Listen to me. Listen to me. I love the people that's called me on my crap. That stopped me and said, hey, Keith, the way you're headed right now is not the right way. Knock it off. Because if you don't, son, you're going to be on the path to destruction. Oh, my gosh. Father, forgive me. Because listen, the enemy is so slick, he will blind you to your own garbage. That's why you need men and women of God around you to say, no, 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 hey, hey, hey. Knock it off. You've got to repent. We'll love people enough to confront them in the lifestyles that they're living. And am I saying we're going to be mean and point and yell? No, that's not what I'm saying. If you've ever dealt with me and you're going through hard stuff, you know how I treat you. Man, we'll get through this. We'll do it together. You're not on your own. Let's go. Because God has a plan for your life. A plan to prosper you, not to harm you. To give you a hope and a future. But you've got to repent and turn. Jesus... He came so that we could follow the leader. The truth is, if we love people enough, we'll tell them how their living is wrong. We will tell them the way their thinking is wrong. We really will, if we love them enough. If we love people enough, we won't sit there and just agree with their point of view because we don't want to upset them. No, 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 no. We just tell them. No, actually, the word of God says. And we take them to the word of God. Here's what God's word says when it comes to abortion, when it, when it comes to a homosexual lifestyle, when it comes to sex outside of marriage. This is what the word of God says, and it's my guide. It's a light unto your feet and a lamp unto your path. This right here will lead you to life. If you don't get in it and figure it out, then you're going to be headed down the path of destruction. And I love you enough to tell you, get away from it. Shift your perspective so that you don't continue down that, that, that wide and Broadway, because there's only two ways. There's only two. There's not multiple ways. Listen, listen to me. There's a right way to think and a wrong way to think. There's not multiple ways to think. I'm sorry. There's not. There's a right way and a wrong way. Did you know there's a will of God? This is why Paul says test so that you can know what the perfect and pleasing will of God is because there's a will of God and then there's not a will of God. There's not like, oh, I can mix in my will to have God's will. No, no, no. There's God's will and then the wrong will. There's a heavenly point of view and then there's an earthly point of view. This is how clear it is. And it's that simple. So there's not multiple ways to think. There's not multiple points of view. There's not multiple ways to live. Listen, there's the way God thinks and the way the enemy thinks. This is how simple God makes it for us. There's a heavenly point of view and an earthly point of view. And the only question we have to answer today is which one do we choose? Which one will we search for? Which one will we test? Which one will we go after with everything that is within us? See, we got to get away from this notion that there's 
Many ways we can live and still be godly people because it's not true. Because it's just not true. There's, there's only one way. That's it. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except him. There's one way. And there's two total, but one leads to life. One leads to death. And how we find this narrow way to life is by giving our lives radically over to Christ. Radically. Not partially, not haphazardly, not half-heartedly. All of us. All of us. And will it look different in different seasons? Yeah, because we go from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory. See, how I used to live when I first got off of drugs is different than now. Back then, God was just requiring me, don't shoot up dope, Keith. Now, it's watch how you think, watch how you talk, watch what you look at. It's no longer actions, it's, it's mentalities, it's mindsets that God has convicted me on. So we will grow from one degree of glory to the next. But we've always got to be radically sold out for him in every season. See, we find our way to the narrow path by proving ourselves to be doers of the word and not hearers only. That's how we find it. That's it. We follow, we follow the leader. And we're not, we cannot hide behind, well, God knows our heart. We can't hide behind that. See, we, we've got to throw away this, this false doctrine that says we don't really have to do what God's word tells us to. We really don't have to. I mean, as long as we said a prayer one time. We're good because then it's in our heart and we're good. We don't really have to do it or know it because God knows my heart. Let me, let me, let me, let me tell you what God knows. You want to know what God knows? God knows that he sent his only son to die on a cross for you. That's what he knows. He, he, he knows that he, he poured out his wrath upon his only son for me. This is what he knows. He knows that Jesus was beaten for our transgressions, not his, for our transgressions. That he was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement that brings us peace was placed upon him. God knows that he who knew no sin became sin so that we could be called the righteousness of God through our pursuit of him. This is what God knows. He knows that his son was obedient to death, even death on a cross, the most horrific death. Jesus sacrificed his own life, gave up his glory, seat in heaven, gave it up, put on human flesh and came as a baby. Think about that. The creator of all things, the most powerful being on the planet that will ever, ever exist, put on human flesh and came as a baby for you and for me and gave his life as a living sacrifice so that we could find this narrow path, so that we can walk through the narrow gate. And God knows that you and I have, have the, the ability or the, we can choose whether to follow him or not follow him. And that reveals what's in our hearts. What was our choice? How do we choose it? He knows his son did all that he did so, so if we don't serve him and if we don't follow him and give, a, give our lives to him, then why would we think God would be okay with us? Like, like why, in what world do we live in? How the enemy has blinded us so badly that now we can live however we want in the church and still be godly people and then just say, I'm sorry. Like, oh, it's cool. I said, I'm sorry, God. Did you know that's not, that's actually not accurate? 
That's not accurate. Did you know this? Hebrews chapter six, verse six says this right here. It says that every time we turn away from God and sin, that we've crucified the son of God all over again and put him to public shame. That's what the Bible says, that every time we fall into sin in our lives, we're crucifying the savior again. So this haphazard thought of, I just say, I'm sorry, just doesn't go with scripture. Now, can a righteous man fall seven times and every time he gets back up? Yes, I'm talking about repetitive sin that we choose to live in every day of our lives. We're re-crucifying Jesus. See, we gotta be a people who obey the word of God. We have to be obedient to his will and his way. Jesus says this, if you are truly my disciples, you will pick up your cross daily. And follow me. So instead of us in our sin crucifying the Son of God all over again, we crucify our own self. No, I lay this down, God. I, I, I don't want it, Jesus. I'm not going to pick that up. I'll crucify myself so that you don't have to be crucified again. You already did it once. See, we're to search for opportunities to prove our allegiance to our leader. That's literally what it means. We must search for opportunities to die to ourselves, to prefer him. We gotta search for opportunities, man, to pursue him in a radical way. We're not, look, we're not to look for opportunities to make everyone around us feel good about themselves. Like that's, that's not it. We don't look for opportunities to compromise our beliefs and fear of someone else being upset by him. We just don't. We're not called to do that. We are to search for the narrow way. To search for that narrow gate and make sure we're not going where everyone else is going. So when we see everyone headed this way, man, we march our butts back this way. I'm not going with them. I'm going with you, Jesus. Man, every time I see a group of people heading in one direction, man, I start praying, God, is that, that don't look good to me. That's not, that's, that don't look good. So God revealed to me to make sure, search the heart of the Father to make sure that would be his will. Nine times out of 10, when everybody's going that way, I'm supposed to be going that way. You know what I, I find way too often is we try to reinterpret the scriptures that we don't fully understand. And we all do it. Like, like, we, like we read something and we don't fully understand it. So then we're like, well, I think Jesus means this. <laughs> he really means... And that was back then. So if you fast forward to today, it would probably sound more like this. This is what we do. But did you know God isn't looking for us to reinterpret his word? He's looking for us to obey his word. He's looking for us to follow the leader. That's what he's looking for. He's not looking for us to reinterpret it. We're just supposed to obey it. And if there's something in it that we don't like, then we ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it. We don't change it. We don't adjust it to our liking to what we want. You know, I heard a pastor one time say this. He said that, that theology is organized doctrine. And man, I got really upset. I was super offended by it, actually. And I was like, no way, dude. And I said, I said, man, that's scary as hell. And I'm not cussing. Hell's a place and it's really, really scary. But that's why I said, I said, that's scary as hell to think that way. Let me tell you how, how, how scary hell is. Jesus says this, he said, you'll be cast out into outer darkness where the worm never stops eating and the fire never stops burning, where there'll be welling and gnashing of teeth for eternity. That's what hell looks like. So it's a scary, scary place. 
And this type of thinking scares the hell out of me. That I somehow can organize God's word according to my theory. God doesn't need me to organize his word. He needs me to obey his word. And we obey his word so that we find the narrow path and we get to walk through the narrow gate. If we don't like what the scripture says, we don't adjust the scripture, we adjust ourselves. Lord, reveal it. Father, reveal it. I don't understand it. I'm not sure. Hate my mom, hate my dad, hate my butt, but help me, help me, help me to understand that, God. We don't adjust it for our liking. Jesus doesn't mind having friction in the scripture. He actually likes it. He likes it. And one time he's saying, oh, be blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. And then the next time he's saying, I didn't come to bring peace. I brought a sword to divide. <laughs> like what? That's, I don't understand that. Jesus, help me, help me to understand it. But we don't adjust it. We adjust ourselves. If we don't like what God calls sin because we know a nice person who struggles with that sin and so we don't want to call it sin either, then we need the Lord to reveal it to us. We don't, we don't need to make them feel okay and comfortable in their sin. What we need to do is pray for them that the Holy Spirit would grab them, that the Holy Spirit would, would get a hold of them and that they would repent and turn from it so that they don't continue to walk down the path of destruction. This is how important this thing is, man. This is how important our lives are. See, we can't adjust Jesus, but Jesus can transform us. Amen. He can transform us. And he can transform the lives of those around us. And again, am I saying we start pointing at people and say, you said her. Like, no, I'm not saying. Lord, have mercy, no. What I'm saying is if I got an opportunity to minister to somebody and the opportunity presents itself, a person is living in this type of sin, hey, man, listen, God's got a plan for your life. Jesus loves you. He died for you, specifically for you, so that you can get free from, from whatever it is you're dealing with. He wants to set you free if you just come to him. And the only way that we, we find that right gate is by following the right leader. Is by walking according to the scriptures. We must stop believing this lie that we really don't have to obey God's word because God knows our hearts. We, we gotta stop believing that somehow we can live in a dark world and just blend in because it's not true. So the Bible says you are to be a light, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. You can't blend in. You know why? Because you're an alien. You're a sojourner. You look different than everybody else. And if you don't, then you need to look at yourself. Why, why, don't, why don't people see that I'm following Jesus? Why are people comfortable around me doing the garbage that they're doing? Why, why, why would they do that? Lord, what's going on in me? Am I the light that I'm supposed to be? See, we've got to start radically living our lives for Jesus, radically set free by him, radically obedient to him, radically in love with him. Man, radically worshiping him, radically studying the word of God to find him and to know him. Because if we aren't radically pursuing Jesus, I promise you we'll never find the narrow way. We just won't. This is why he said, on that day, many, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, depart from me, I never knew you. You didn't radically pursue me. Man, church, we gotta go after him. We gotta go after him. If those in the church aren't radically pursuing Jesus, 
If we aren't radically obeying the word of God, then how can the world be attracted to Jesus? What's so attractive about Jesus is he makes me better than me. He allows me to do things that I couldn't do in my own strength. That's who he is. Causes me to look like him. He conforms me into his image and in his likeness. And people are like, I don't understand how is that happening. It's funny, people back home, they say, there's no way you're Keith Deal. There's no way. Because you don't look nothing like the person that we knew who shot dope and fought and did all this stuff and was getting arrested every week. Like, you can't be him because of what God's done in my life. This is how Jesus transforms us to make us look different. And I'll never forget it when he spoke to me. He said, you'll be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You'll come out of the fire and they won't even be able to smell the smoke on you. Not a hair on your head will be singed. They won't be able to tell you ever shot dope. They'll never even be able to tell you ever did drugs. I'm gonna completely transform you. And that's what he's done. Completely transformed my life. Matter of fact, I've had people tell me, oh, you're lying about your testimony. I wish I was. Because it was rough. It was rough. See, the world is looking for something and someone to lead them differently than the way people are currently leading them. I promise you they are. And it's the church's job to step up to the occasion, to rise to the occasion, and begin to lead them to someone that can actually change them and give them something that they actually need. Notice I didn't say what they want, because a lot of times what I need and what I want are two different things. See, God doesn't always give us what we want, but he always gives us what we need. Always. He says, I'll provide for all your needs, not all your wants, all your needs according to my riches and glory. And the good news in all of this, you guys are kind of quiet today. The good news in all of what I just said, I'll tell you the the really good news about it. God wants you to find the narrow path. Like, Like he desires for you to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I mean, he desires you to be radically set on fire for him. He desires it for you. And so all you gotta do is ask him for it. Study the word of God so that you know it and that you begin to form your relationship with Jesus. And and you know what's amazing to me? That God never calls us to do something that he hasn't or that he's not willing to equip us to do. So it's not like he's gonna tell you to do something he hasn't given you the power and the authority to do. He's He's already given it to you. You just have to to receive it and walk in the Holy Spirit. So, man, as a church, man, I I pray that this message gets us excited. Like, oh, my gosh, this is the challenge ahead of me. This is what God desires for me. I can literally be an agent of change and transformation in my community of these people who are hurting and they're broken. But God can use me to touch them. God, get me aligned with you so that you can use me. Come on and stand to your feet, please. Father, I pray right now. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would begin to even quicken our mortal bodies, Lord. I pray right now that you would strengthen each and every person within the sound of my voice to live the way you've called us to live so that we can enter in through the narrow gate, find the narrow way. Holy Spirit, strengthen us to do it. I pray for the the spirit of wisdom and revelation to come upon all of us so that, God, we know you better. 
so that we can see you more clearly. I pray for us. I pray that we would taste and see that the Lord is good. That God, we would start to realize that what is in our hearts is what's coming out of us. And we ask you to begin to transform us from the inside out so that how we're living is speaking directly to what's in our hearts. Lord, I pray for each and every person, God. Strengthen them this week. I pray that as they open your word, they would find you so close to them. I pray for dreams and visions to begin to break out in this place over people, God. Prophetic anointing be poured out upon your church because the church is built on the apostles and the prophets. So I pray, God, for prophetic anointing, apostolic anointing to rise up. Help us to be able to disciple one another. I pray that over your church. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name.